Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Adulting with Joy Springs Shot of Sanity SOS Friday Night Live, the audio version of our live show every Friday. And this time around, we've got RJ Ledesma, a serial entrepreneur, a host, a commercial artist, everything else in between, the original multi-hyphenate boy of the 80s. And, you know, I think this is one of, honestly, the best entrepreneur episodes that we've had here on the show just because... Archie is so passionate about business and he is also so generous in sharing his ideas, his stories, the things that he's learned in the past years and decades that he's been working as a businessman. You'll notice that we won't really talk a lot in this episode because we do have RJ doing a bit of a uh, a keynote of some sort here as we just let him tell his story, tell about the things that he's learned along the way. And I feel like this was really something that a lot of us needed to hear in this time of crisis. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode of Shot of Sanity. Tell us what you think by using the hashtag Hashtag Adulting with Joy Spring. And watch out for the next episode of SOS Friday Night Live that's happening on July 3. That's Friday the next. And we've got the amazing woman in action, Gretchen Hot, to talk about leaving a positive mark on the internet. But in the meantime, please do enjoy this one hour worth of wisdom from the one and only RJ Ledesma. <laughs> In the past episodes, we've had multiple people come in and be our guests, but we realized that with everything that this man has done and how many different jobs he's taken, he is more than enough to fulfill our guesting needs. This man has been uh, a host. He is, uh, a matter of fact, in a multi-time awarded host. He is a three-time Best Male Host awardee by the Alio Awards. He has been an editor. He has been a TV host. He has been an event host. And now he is the president of his family's real estate company and the honorary vice consul of Monaco to the Philippines. Of course, he is the first Asian to deliver the graduation speech at MIT, where he received the Master's of Science in Real Estate Development. Ladies and gentlemen, let us welcome into SOS an Adulting with Joy Spring, the one and only R.J. Ledesma. I call Aaron's dad by his first name. I don't call his dad Tito. Eh. I don't call his no, dad you Tito. don't. I don't call his dad Tito. Eh. <laughs> I call his dad Tony like his dad's name. So my goodness, that is the generation gap. Let, let me step back. But no, but actually, the first thing that I really want to talk about is, is so it, it puts everything into context, really. Is okay. the, the first question over here, I says the Lord, anong magandang pag-investahan nowadays? And I know that I sat on a long time with Joyce uh, in, in one of the conferences which we had, and I talked about what are the good investments nowadays. And one of the things which you can really invest in, uh, it's not so much in terms of money, but really it's in terms of it's it, it's in terms of a mindset. And I really call it it's an investment. That's why the topic here is entrepreneurial mindset. What I would really like people to invest in is how to think like an entrepreneur. Now, I've, I've had a chance, um, to, uh, both of you, Aaron and, and Joyce, because my type of hosting is that I, I speak to entrepreneurs. I, I know that Joyce has done Go Negotial hosting, yeah. but I do like I do mentoring for Go Negotial. Um, mm -hmm. I've actually learned a lot. I've spoken to people like like um, Dennis Oy of Udena, uh, to people like Injap C of Double Dragon. And there's often a common denominator. The one thing I've noticed about these people who are very, very good entrepreneurs is that 
it's a way that they look at life. And I call that oftentimes an entrepreneurial mindset, meaning when they look at things, they don't see the world the same way that we look at the world. They look at the world constantly with sort of like new opportunities, new values, new businesses. I mean, that's how they're always looking at the world. Let's say you went to a Colgate factory and you weren't wearing your glasses, right? Or you went to China per se and you forgot your glasses at home. Um, you cannot appreciate things with clarity, not the sights, not the factories, because you can see things clearly. All of a sudden, you wear your pair of glasses and now things come to you with a sharpness and, and, and with a clarity. So you see everything very nicely. It's the same thing also for entrepreneurs. If a crisis like this began and there was a big, like right now there's a crisis and they were looking at it with their regular eyes, they will be stressed. They will be anxious. They're full of ass because they don't know what to do. What do entrepreneurs do? All of a sudden, they wear this entrepreneurial lens and they're not looking at these things as points to be stressed about. They're always saying, what's the opportunity there? What can I do over here? What, what's new over here? And it's always that exercise of wearing that entrepreneurial lens uh, wherever you go. That, that's really, really key for many of us to become entrepreneurs. That's the first thing, no? I always tell people that you must look at the world always with an opportunity. Yeah. When this crisis happened, I don't know about you guys, I freaked out. I think that's the first reaction of anybody. The first day of the lockdown was very scary. I felt very helpless. And at that time I was helpless. I wasn't wearing my, my, my entrepreneurial lens. But all of a sudden, when you start wearing it, you start seeing the world in a different way. You start seeing, you don't see any more things like social distancing. You don't see, start seeing things like, um, like lockdown as things which are barriers to doing business, but rather pain points on your journey towards doing business. So that's the first thing that I really want to put out. And the thing is, being I'm a serial entrepreneur. I run several businesses. Now, first of all, um, I, I run Mercato Central. Anybody know Mercato Central? Please raise your yeah, hand. I love it. Yes, yes. If you yes. know Mercato, please raise your yes, hands over there. Yes. It's in your comment box. Uh, I also run a business. It's called EnterPH. It's a consultancy firm that helps foreign businesses set up shop here in the Philippines. So there are many businesses that want to set up shop over here, but they have a hard time. And then the third one is a business called Entropy, uh, called Easy Franchise. Uh, it's, a, it's a digital platform that connects franchise owners. Let's say you own uh, Potato Corner or Tokyo Tempura or a watery filling franchise or a convenience store. Those are franchisors. I connect them online digitally with franchisees. So I'm what you call a serial entrepreneur. I'm always somebody looking for opportunities. But people ask me, what is your entrepreneurial philosophy? How do you look for these type of things? How do you create them? The first thing you need to realize is that thinking like an entrepreneur is like, it's like a muscle. It's like muscle memory. You've got to keep on doing it because sometimes you won't get it the first time around. Being an, being an entrepreneur is that it's something that you need to exercise very, very regularly. And you need to accept at the very, very start that you are going to fail. You will fail at it. But the thing is, you have to realize that failure is an investment in the learning that you make as an entrepreneur. If you do startups, it's what you call doing your beta test, right? That's why when you do apps, what they call it beta testing. What's beta <laughs> testing? What beta testing just means is that, you know, you're testing the app, then you iterate based on whether it works or not, because sometimes you won't get it right the first time around. So the first thing I realized is this one. But especially here in the Philippines, there's a sort of crab mentality. They want yes. you to think that if you failed, you have to really feel bad about, 
but yeah. about feeling about things. But you see, as an entrepreneur, you become a bit more thick-skinned. Your failure, mm. there's failure in life and there's failure in business. You fail in business doesn't mean you fail in life. And even when you fail in life, it doesn't mean that's a permanent failure. It's all just a journey. And you, just, you just accept, okay, not fail kadito. You go, I've, you, can, you can cry a bit, you fail fast, you fail forward, and you move again. But the more important thing is that you learn from these failures. I've closed down 15 markets already. Mercato is 10 years old this year. I've closed down 15 markets. I've kept one to two alive. But from what I learned from what I closed, that made my current businesses even stronger. My business partner, uh, Joe Magsaysay, Joe Mag of Potato Corner, really great story. When he started to run Potato Corner, they went up to about 2,000 or 120 branches in about, uh, in, in after the Asian economic crisis, uh, up to the Asian economic crisis in 1998. Joyce was probably wearing her, her, her diapers at that time, but me, I was working already at that time. But anyway, 1998, his stores went from 120 down to 40 branches during that time. Can you imagine that? That's because that's my closest equivalent to the failure that you might be experiencing right now. That they that they that they that they went down to that to that amount, and went up to 40. But from 40, he rebuilt the business until they had 2,000 plus franchises around the country still growing. They've got now in Hong Kong, Thailand, Vietnam, the U.S., Canada. In any major country, you will find the potato corner. But the thing is, he had to fail to realize that one. Because there are lessons there. You know what? That sort of resilience that you're gaining right now uh, that from this crisis. My God, if you can survive this crisis, you get resilient whether or not your business survives. But you understand how much more resilient you get as an entrepreneur and you move forward from that one. That's a lot. That's a lot to learn from. That's a great investment in learning um, that you're making right now. During this crisis, all the potato corners had to shut down, right? Because it's ECQ, you couldn't go there. So what did John Mag say? Did he just sit down and say, okay, that's what we, we can do? No. He turned into a potato corner, into what they call the potato corner army. He created a, 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 literally an army of resellers to resell the brand because you've got to create constant awareness and equity for the brand because people are looking for it. And that sort of resilience which you develop can only come from you doing the business again and again and saying, you know, it's okay to be scared. There's so much to learn uh, when, when it comes when it comes to doing, uh, when, when, when you fail. And that's one of the big things. You know, the interesting thing about entrepreneurs, when you look at the crisis, so number one, right? for them, it's an entrepreneurial mindset. Number two, failure is an investment. And number three, they relish the challenge. The opportunity is often found in the challenge. You think at these times like this one, they feel down. The nice thing about hanging around with entrepreneurs, this is the time when all the ideas are literally flowing from them. They're going to tell you, oh, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And you realize that during these times, sometimes the best business models emerge out of this crisis. Tell you what, in the Philippines, uh, in the Philippines, do you know when the economic, do you know when our call center market grew the fastest? What, what years? It grew the fastest from 2008 to 2010. Why? During that time was the U.S. economic crisis. Many businesses had to close down at that time in the U.S. or had to do cost savings. So what did they say in the States? They said in the States that because you have to do cost savings, we've got to find another country where they can do the same type of work at a fraction of a cost that they could do them in the States. 
but the same quality. They have to outsource non-essential business services, maybe like accounting, like answering the phone. Guess which country they went to? Here. Philippines. So we grew the fastest from 2008 to 2010. So you have to realize that sometimes in crisis, there's an opportunity which emerges. And sometimes these opportunities which emerge from the crisis can be long-term business models. Because some people, if you think about it, but they do what they call opportunistic business models. I don't mind, I don't put any value judgment to what I call opportunistic business models. Meaning, sa panahon na ganito, magbibenta ng Facebook, kikita sa arbitrage, ibig sabihin kikita sa diferensya ng presyo. But it's also a very risky business for people who don't do it properly. People get arrested because... Uh, uh, but because they, 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 they're not doing it properly. But then the thing is, there are other businesses which are emerging right now which are longer term, meaning these are businesses which will sustain not just during this crisis, but after this crisis at the same time. I love what Jocel uh, Sarabia said, failure is an opportunity to begin this time more intelligently. Remember what Steve Jobs said, you always have to have that beginner's mindset. The scarier part about this, you know, that's why it's nice to talk to startup companies now because startup companies always have this beginner's mindset. This has been the great equalizer, guys. Everybody lost money. Big company, small company, you might all have had loans. You might have bought several hotels or started a new company. You've had to all pivot the businesses. But the thing is, we're all in the same boat. So what do you do when you're on the same boat? Do you still think like somebody who's corporate and just put up this many, many you, you, you lament the fact that, oh, it took me 20 years to build this business? Or do you just say, Okay, I did it before, I can do it again, mm-hmm. right? That's the beginner's, that's the sort of like what I call uh, the beginner's mentality, which they need to have to, to resume again starting the business because we're, uh, this is like raised opportunity, we're all again in the same boat. Baka may nagkamali ka dyan sa start, but the time, I mean, I just realized right now, the blessing in disguise, I was starting off some businesses. This time was actually giving me time to step back and say, hey, it, this business model, which I started off, might not have been the rest one, the, the, the best one I, I could have thought of. So like I said, no, coming out of this crisis, there are opportunistic businesses, and there are also businesses which can be long-term. What I think will grow very strongly are people who can do um, really good third-party delivery app, uh, app, apps online. Um, they can develop a better way of online experiences. There are many services which I think, you know, What's going to push us into digital transformation and going online and increase e-commerce business is really right now. Because everybody was forced. Did you know, for years, the industry was trying to force us to go online. But then this incident pushed us even further. There was a joke going around online a couple of weeks ago about saying, what is making your company transition towards digital transformation? Is it A, your CEO? B, your chief innovation officer, or C, COVID-19. Obviously, COVID-19 is, is pushing us all there. Yeah. If, if you are the ones who can see what opportunity is emerging right now that can be for the future, you know, that is not just going to exist right now, but longer term, much better. So I'm asking everybody listening here right now, take your step back also as well. A lot of opportunities are emerging from this crisis but what do you think you can sustain for a longer period? Because if it's something that just takes advantage of the ECQ, just wants to take advantage of the GCQ, right? It might yeah. not work. But what do you think you can do much, much longer than that one? That's what I call a sustainable business model. And whenever I say business model, that word just basically means, Pano kumikita yung negosyo mo? When people use that word, it's just a fancy word of saying, 
when people ask you what's your business model, just means that how does your business make money? Say like for this one, Julius Anthony Redan, people are starting selling their goods online. That's great. But now what's your next step forward after selling yes. your goods online? What's going to make it sustainable? What's going to make your goods different then? Because like, like right now, uh, let me give you an example. Food parks, diba? Mercato, when we first came out with Mercato as a food market, the first thing that we thought about Mercato is that it's a great night food market, right? And everybody after that started saying, I kind of like what Mercato is doing. Let me copy it in my own place. So food parks exploded, right? Yeah. There were so many of them at that time. And, and, but what happened after, after, after many of them exploded? 2018, there was a peak. 2019, everything dropped. They yeah, all disappeared, yeah. right? Because basically, uh, what was their strong business model behind? Everybody was just copying. Everybody. There was nothing original about it. So I had to look at Mercato and say, what was my business about? And I said, what my business is about, it's not about food markets. My business is about incubating new food vendors to become successful. Mm -hmm. I am not a food market. I am a food business incubator. Diba? So that's my job up to now. We just pivoted the business and made sure that's why we're still strong up to now. We continue to do something that's strong. It's the same. And I'm using that analogy because if you look online right now, it's the same thing. People are coming up with so many hyper-local communities, meaning survivor. And dami daming grupo dyan ngayon, di ba? Mm. That, you, that people are choosing from. Or people putting up all these sites where they're selling things. Di ba? But for me, it's like food parks again. It's like a food parks. I mean, during the time, there is a peak. But eventually, things will start to, to weed themselves out. You start not going to specific, to specific sites anymore. Mm. And it's going to go to people... Well, that they have a certain, what we call USP in business, a unique selling proposition, or there's something really about the site that makes you want to keep on going back there because it delivers a specific value to them. Okay, so this is the next thing that, that I want to teach. So, so we're, we're getting through that one. Now, let's talk about, um, now let's get really talking about my philosophy towards entrepreneurship. Now, I, I've had a chance to, to travel uh, around the country with, with Gone Gosh, of course, prior to COVID. And, and oftentimes the questions which they ask me is they ask me this question. They ask me, sir, anong magandang negosyong itayo? Or what is a nice business to put up? Diba? They ask me that one. And when they ask me that one, I often tell them, you have to step back and, and, and think, about, think again because that's not how an entrepreneur... Well, but for me, that's not how an entrepreneur should be thinking about it. Because if you ask me the question, now, what's a good business to put up? It presupposes the fact na parang... Uh, Sir, ano magandang negosyong gayahin? Yan yung parang yan yung, yan yung tolong na yan, di ba? It's like before, we had pearl tea milkshakes. We had like sa manok. Yes. Right? So we had milk tea, di ba? Then, kung sa isipin mo, uy, maganda yung negosyo ng milk tea, sige, gagayahin ko yung negosyong yan. E pag ginaya mo, di ba? Kung madaling gayahin mo, then madali ka rin gayahin, di ba? That's the basic thing, di ba? If you can copy another business, another business can copy. Another business can just as easily copy you. Your success will just as easily disappear. Now, you got to step back right now and say, the, what is the best question to ask yourself if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to think about entrepreneurial ideas? It's this question. It's the same questions that, that venture capitalists or investors ask tech startup companies whenever they invest in them, especially in these big um, pitching competitions. And the question which they ask themselves is this one. What problem are you trying to solve? Again, if there's anything you take away from me, it's that one. What problem are you trying to solve? Because problems are also what we call pain points. Entrepreneurs don't see problems. What they see are pain points 
that they have the opportunity to solve. So sometimes people, they, they're, they're leaving and say, gusto kong umalis sa Pilipinas dahil puno problema dito. Bakit iba, ibang mga dayuhan na gustong pumunta sa Pilipinas? Kasi those are the entrepreneurs thinking, uy, maraming problema sa Pilipinas na pwede kong isolve. There's one business that was put up over here called Pawn Hero. This is the interesting thing about Pawn Hero. Pawn Hero was not put up by a Filipino. Pawn Hero is a virtual online pawn shop. It was a business that was put up by a German expatriate who came here to the Philippines a few years ago. And just was looking, walking around. He said, sa Pilipinas, sa bawat kanto, may sanglaan, may pawn shop. But it's low appraisal rates, but high interest costs. So he said, what if I can flip the model and put that online? So he came there to solve a problem because it's been existing for a long time. Eh, yung problema natin, mga Pinoy, we are so, namamanhit tayo sa mga problema. You know, there's so many problems we can solve that can be a business opportunity. Financial inclusion, remittance, insurance, security, agriculture. Uh, so many opportunities out there. It's just that the mentality that often we have is that, oh, this is a big problem. You know, I, I want to leave. The other way to think about, oh, it's a problem. How can I solve it? Because if pain points are, are things that you can solve, I just call it irritations, diba? Irritation is your key towards inspiration, diba? If, if you, Aaron, are irritated by something, if you, Joyce, are irritated by something, and I'm also irritated by it, but I can solve that irritation, if I can solve the irritation, jan ako kikita ng pera. Diba? So that's how you look yeah. at it. Pain points are just opportunities for you to solve a problem. And that's, that's how I want people to start thinking about, how, how I want people to start thinking about when, when the pain points right now, especially during this crisis. That's all I've had. I, I don't know about you, but my head's been spinning throughout this crisis. And I've been hosting for Go Negosyo Online, Easy Franchise, we've got a Facebook Live page, I've been doing for Bounce Back, because it gives me a chance to talk to so many people. The more people I listen to, the more people I talk to, the more problems I'm able to unearth. But more than that one, the more solutions I'm able to come up with, because you get the bigger, the bigger, the bigger picture. And the more that you see these pictures and put them together, then you realize, ah, these are things that I can solve. Right? Mm. These are things I can, I can put together. Like for you, Joyce and Aaron, your unique opportunity is that you guys are doing this show and you get to talk to so many people. So you get to see also what I call the, the asymmetries. What you see is lacking here, there's, but there's so much over here. Because you can put all these together. That's what I do, but from a business perspective. You get to see where is it lacking and what can I do to, to fill that one. So that's basically... Uh, you want to solve pain points, and that's how you start off a business, right? You solve a pain point, and usually when you solve a pain point, mas sustainable yung mga negosyong ganyan because you're solving something that's deep, eh, diba? You might yeah. solve, you put up a milk tea, put up a milk tea place. I mean, that's great, diba? But you can easily copy. But what do you want to, what problem do you really want to solve? If you look further, what could be the problem? Maybe there's something in the packaging that you can solve. Diba? Maybe there's something in the ingredients that you can solve. Maybe there's a way that it's distributed that it can solve, right? I'd rather be the person distributing to the milk tea suppliers than the person running a milk tea store, diba? because that's an irritation that you might want to solve. Diba? For example, what, one, what is one of our biggest irritations prior to this crisis? Uh, one of the biggest irritations for all of us is, is traffic, right? Traffic is a big irritation for us. So how do people solve the traffic problem? One was through uh, through directional apps like, like Waze or Google, right? Other one was, was through ride-sharing apps, which were Grab uh, and Ancas. And people ask me, 
RJ, how did you solve the traffic problem? I said, well, I guess I, I, I created a night food market. Then people ask, how does a, putting up a night food market solve the problem? Then I asked them, well, think about it. Um, I'm located in the center of BGC. And what time is it the most traffic for people to, to, to get out of BGC? I go, five to seven. When do I get the most number of people eating in my market? Five to seven. Because I'm trying to solve people's irritation when it comes to having to combat, combat traffic, right? So you've got to think about these things. And sometimes the thinking doesn't have to be direct. Like, you don't have to solve the traffic problem directly. You can solve it laterally. You can solve it by other ways. Mine, I solved it by, by feeding people. So there are many different ways for us uh, to be able to, 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 solve, to solve things. So that's the first thing I want people's minds to think of, that uh, it's uh, an irritation can lead to your inspiration uh, when it comes to doing business. So, um, and the, the more interesting thing that comes from that one is this one. Um, when we talk about irritation leading to inspiration, uh, what I want to share with you guys is, 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 is um, what I call irritation, inspiration, then finally innovation. Because just because you think of, okay, I need to solve this problem, the next question you need to ask yourself is, how do I solve it in an innovative fashion? What makes it different the way that I will solve it? So sometimes you go, okay, um, or you try, you try to ask yourself, what's the problem am I trying to solve and what, what's the best way for me to solve it? Let me just give you what I call sources of business innovation. This is the first one I want to share with you guys. Remember, Kanina, when I was talking about information, especially you guys, Joyce and Aaron, uh, this is where you guys can really leverage it. I call it one source of information, one source of inspiration for you uh, for doing business is called asymmetric information. Asymmetric information. What's asymmetric? Meaning, asymmetric means, symmetry means this one, pantai. Asymmetric means one is longer or shorter than the yes. other. Okay, when you, when you get a stockbroker, basically you're hiring him because you think that he has more information about the stock market than you do. So you pay him for that information, right, to invest for you. That business model exists in many different industries. Yeah. If you know more than another person, then people will pay you to get that information for their benefit, right? For example... Let's look at the, the food business before. In the food business before, um, let's say you want to find out the best place to eat in many, many years ago. Where would you go? Uh, you'd ask your friends, San Masarap Kumain dito sa Mega Mall, sa Glorieta. You'd ask them one by one. But all of a sudden, some guy said, hey, why don't I get all these crowdsourced reviews of restaurants and then put them online? So instead of having to talk to different people, all I have to do is just go online to find out uh, to find out who are the best people to talk, who are the best people to find. Because there are opinions of people, right? So I can just go there. It saves me time, right? Then all of a sudden you go, and what if I can also ask these restaurants to pay me to advertise on this site because I'm getting so much eyeballs on this site. Pwede. So, asymmetric information, you know, this site knows a lot more about restaurant reviews than you do. What's that site? Zomato, right? And restaurants pay Zomato for that information, right? To, to be at least on that site. So, but wow, that's asymmetric information. So, guys, if you're listening to me right now, take a step back. Think about it. What information do you think you know that you think other people will want to get from you and pay you to have? What, I offer, what is the best thing that you learn from startup people? You build the infrastructure. You build the information highway. Then you build the toll gate. You should own the toll gate. So every time they get information from you, they'll buy it. Sila. So that's one source. Na. And that's using right now 
uh, digital technology to appreciate it. Here's another one, Aman. You can also, what I call, borrow business models from other industries. And, and, and Joyce uh, and Aaron, I really applaud what you guys have been doing here when I say borrowing business models from other industries because that's exactly what Vidanis is doing right now with their celebrities, especially during this crisis. You're borrowing business models from other industries and bringing it into the online industry of how you're, how you're, how you're, how you're, how they're continuing to monetize the talents. That's just how I see it because I get the emails from Vidanis. So what does this mean? Let me step back. Okay. For example, um, I, I, you guys, do you guys have eat the app Itigo? You like Itigo? Itigo, you go to a restaurant, once you reserve, you can get up to 50% off on your food and drinks. Now, contrast that to, diba noon, people would buy coupons to get discount. Hindi ba nakakatawa? Isipin mo ngayon, magbabayad ka para maka-discount ka. Diba? Now, for me, it sounds ludicrous, diba? Why would you do that one when you've got an app like Itigo that all you have to do is just show the app and it gives you a discount? You don't even have to pay any money out to get that discount. Right, so I was wondering how, how did that happen. So nakausap ko yung the, the guy who put up the app. He was based in Singapore, but I think he's German and he was an economist, if I'm not mistaken. And when I was talking to him, he was telling me like, um, um, "Sabi ko, how do you think of this app?" And he said, "Oh, RJ, I wasn't looking at the restaurant industry when I put up that app. Rather, I was looking at the uh, I, I was looking instead at the uh, at the airline industry and the hotel industry. I think Joyce heard this when I was talking the last time, no? But then." Sa airline industry, kasi di ba, pag lumilipad yung aeroplano at may vacant seats dyan, di parang there's an opportunity loss for their yes. airline to, to fly without people there, right? Or in a, in, a, in a hotel, if there's a vacant room at night, right, then it's also an opportunity cost for them. Mm-hmm. So instead of having a vacant room or that vacant seat, the airline industry, the airlines or the hotel choose to sell it to a discount site and then hati na lang sila sa bayad, di ba? At least it's full. Let's contrast it to restaurants. Hindi pa sa restaurant, kunyari, it's 2, 2 p.m., 3 p.m. in the afternoon, walang taong kumakayan dyan. Di parang opportunity cost sa mga restaurant yung mga yan if the seats are not filled. So instead of leaving the seats not filled, why don't we just sell it to a discount site to sell those empty times and hati kayo sa bayad? And that's Itigo. So they borrow business models from other industries and bring it into their own. So mag-isip, mag-isip-isip na kayo. Kung nakikinig kayo dito ngayon, let's say for example, if you were fired from a job here tonight or, or you left your job, or you, don't worry. Any information that you got in the past, magagamit, mag, magagamit rin ninyo ngayon. Like, okay, Hazel Joy Meneses, I recently spoke to the a travel, to, I recently spoke to women in travel Manila, right? And you can't reopen travel here right now. There are many ways to rethink your business. Number one is, think of it this way. In the travel business, you can say, for a future experience, like let's, take, let's take the same example of Itigo. You can sell coupons right now. You can sell coupons right now for discount for future trips, maybe one to two years down the road, but at a heavy discount. But it creates cash flow for you right now. You can curate the whole experience here for them right now if they book at this period of time. And the closer and closer that the, everything starts opening, as the economy opens up more and more and more, then you keep on... Uh, making the offer less and less and less. The, the discounts you make it, uh, in other words, 50% discount, 40%, 30%, 20% until the economy is fully open. Diba? The other ones that people are doing right now are what they call virtual tours of specific areas. So it's like you're doing something meaningful and relevant, but you're having people tour in other areas that, that are nice, that are, that are 
like um, in Bataan, Bataan is or other areas, you get to visit them online, virtual tours, and you get to give some money pa to the people, who the, tour, the local tour guides there. But the other thing, and my bigger story about tour agencies, because yeah, it's going to take a year. It's difficult to pivot, to change your business. Instead, think of it this way. You've got the structure over there already, right? You've got the structure for a touring agency. So you can retweak the tools for another industry. Diba? It might not, right now for tourism, it might not work. But there are other industries who could use the same business infrastructure that you have. May tao ka naman, may taga-market ka naman, may taga-tao ka naman dyan. Pwede ba sila sa insurance? Pwede ba sila sa real estate? Pwede ba sila, pwede ba sila sa online selling or sa ibang industriya? Baka pwede kayo mag-pivot sa ganyan eh. That's how I'm thinking of this business right now. Because right now, kumbaga, we, we can't choose, but we've got to pivot our business. We can't, we can't stick to one thing lang, di ba? Uh, yeah. And, and that's, that's what I was trying to point out uh, to other people here as well. So that's one way I'm looking at, the, at, at doing the travel industry. Now, the next one, I call it bricks uh, versus clicks coverage. What do I mean by bricks versus clicks coverage? That nowadays, especially during this crisis, you might want to think that instead of putting up your business kaagad, is that instead of doing a bricks, a bricks business, meaning physical business, think about going straight to clicks, meaning an online business. What's an example of that one? Like the pawn shop I was talking about, right? For the pawn shop, if you put up a physical pawn shop, uh, may overhead ka na sa tao. May overhead ka pa sa renta. Di ba? May overhead ka na sa mga ganyan. And then, after that one, yung mga magiging kliyente mo lang, yung malalapit sa inyo. And then, sino ang kalaban mo? Yung pinakamalapit na pawn shop sa inyo. If you flip the model and you make it clicks where people go online to you first, right? When they go online to you first, you don't have to worry about overhead rent. You don't have to worry about. Uh, you don't have to pay for rental uh, and space. But you can. You can. You can. You can go online, and technically, your 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 clients are anybody who's also online as well, diba? So it's another way of thinking of business. It's an online, and it works well with my next step, which is called digital first thinking. Many people still think very physically when securing clients, like like for real estate, they do flyering to people. They send flyers to people. But guys, especially all the Zillennials and Millennials listening to me right now, there are businesses purely formed online where you don't even have to have a physical presence to meet your clients. It's, you use digital tools, search engine optimization, you use Google Analytics, you use Facebook boost posting that's filtered, you use Instagram, you use content marketing to get to your clients. For me, that's digital first thinking when you put up a business. Like there's one, I'm working with this guy right now called Filipino Homes. And I like Filipino Homes because it's the largest um, real estate marketing company in the Philippines. If you haven't heard of it, that's perfectly fine by them. But they're the biggest real estate marketing in Visayas and Mindanao. During this ECQ, believe it or not, they closed more than $3 billion in residential sales from March, April, May. And most wow. of their clients were all OFWs. And what they just said was that you can digitize all the processes so nothing, nothing stops, meaning that when you, when you onboard people, they can watch videos to train, they can watch videos to, to, to visit sites, and, and you can close deals online. But more importantly, they looked for clients online. They didn't rely on connections which they had, that they know somebody personally, but they built a strong online presence where they utilized all the tools that they had for digital, digital technology to get to them. Same like my business, Enter PH. It was a business where I had to get 
foreign clients to invest here in the Philippines in, in to, to bring their small BPOs or businesses to the Philippines. I never met any of those clients myself. We used digital first thinking to get to those clients. We used content marketing, targeted marketing, all these things to bring people to you. So you guys can do that as well. You, you just, the thing is, you just have to be very strategic in being able to, to secure uh, this information. To, to, you know, it, it's a trial and error thing to learn how to use uh, those technologies. I mean, you've got your YouTube out there, you've got all these different things. So think about it, guys right now, what, what business do you have that you, that, that you think you, you, you're very savvy when it comes to using, not just the internet, so tama na yung ano, di ba? Wag na puro sosyalan sa TikTok, so, uh, sa, sa Facebook. You can monetize these things. If you know how, you can probably monetize these things. And I'm not just talking about social media per se, but it's how to use social media and how, how to use it strategically knowing how 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 it generates uh, how it can generate income for you and fi- but again no, you're solving a problem see so yeah, that time a good problem diba solve a good problem and then if you want you use digital first thinking to to see how you can solve that problem properly you get what i mean right. so don't just market per se if there's nothing unique that you're doing online and you're selling it eventually you're going to lose out diba just like all these hyper local sites selling online right now eventually it might disappear but if you've got a strong business model, a strong system in place, then it stays. Mm. Next one. Um, it's what I call market driving versus market switching. So getting out to market driving versus uh, uh, a market switching uh, a strategy. Okay. Let's think of the world as being two companies, company A and company B. Company A holds 50% market share. Company B holds 50% market share. Where should I get, if I was company A, where will I get more market share? How do I get more market share? By getting from, from company B, right? Because if oh, yes. you want to grab the market share from here. Yes. But the thing is, that's if you think that, in, like, in, like in economics, that the pie is only this big, hindi na lumalaki yung pie ninyo. That's called market switching. You want to get people from your other competitors to join you. Yes. What if I thought that way for Mercato Central? What if I thought the only way for me to grow my market was to get people who were working in other food bazaars or other food markets and then come over to me. It might be difficult to get them to switch because there's a high level of friction costs. But what if I created my own vendors? What if I educated vendors? What if I made people who are home-based vendors, I trained them to become professional vendors? That's what I did. That's called a market driving strategy. You grow the market. You don't think that the market is limited. You create new clients for yourself. So I made a Mercato Academy. So we train people on how to become food entrepreneurs. And also, so I do online delivery. If you are a small food vendor uh, and you're trying to expand your reach, basically what, what does it do, Deba? Right? You, you have a USP, a unique selling proposition. Uh, for, for my market, for Mercato Central, it's a market driving strategy. Like I said, I create more vendors. I help small food entrepreneurs grow. What's my difference between, I have, a, I have an online site for food delivery. What's my difference between a food panda and a grab? Food Panda and Grab only take care of restaurants. The people on my site are small home-based food entrepreneurs whom you can't find over there, whom we help, whom we help become vendors. See, that way you're growing the market instead of getting people to switch over to you from another side. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about uh, market driving uh, versus market switching strategy. Question RJ, usually because they were OFWs, they would also invest in real estate. And yeah. I think one of our uh, questions. Yeah, I just saw the comment too as well. Yeah, is real That's estate right. always a good investment? Okay, I'll tell you when real estate is a good investment. Uh, let me explain to you. 
in the Philippines, we have a housing back. I'm, so I'll wear my other hat. So I'm a, I'm a board governor of the Subdivision Housing Developers Association. And like I said, my master's in real estate development from MIT. And I, 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 uh, I work with Philippine homes, right? So I work with Philippine homes as their partner in Luzon. The Philippines has, a, depending who you talk to, a 5.7 million housing backlog, meaning that there's so many houses people have to occupy over here. Again, when you, for me, if you invest in real estate, you re, for, this is my personal take, is that you invest in first home real estate in a house that you will live in. That, that's me. And basically right now, the sweetest spot that they're selling about is between three to five million pesos or from between 1.5 to about 5 million pesos. Those are the fastest moving homes that Filipino Homes is selling. But I tell you, that, that's the best spot for me to be in. If you're going to, real estate, is, there's no bubble. The only bubble occurs if you're buying real estate in, in places where there's nobody occupying it. Like you buy a condo just because you want to rent it out, but there's nobody actually living there. That's your watch out there. That's, that's when a bubble is created, but there's no actual demand for a place. You're buying because you're expecting to rent it out, but there's nobody there. The best things to buy are always first home investments. That's for me. And if you have additional money aside from that one, put it in other interest-bearing instruments. Put them a business, especially now in the Philippines. If you want to help our economy after this crisis, put up a business to run. Um, put, get, get a franchise or put up something that, that, that runs to help people because we are a consumer-driven economy. You, you've got to put your business in something uh, that, 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 that is consumer-driven. Um, if it's LPG, like it's convenience, those are good places to start put, putting up businesses. But for me, if you're going to buy real estate, uh, my, my best recommendation for you for real estate is that buy real estate that you will live in. That, that's uh, really for me. Uh, RJ, you know, it, it was a fantastic, like, incredible amount of information that you were just, you know, throwing out there. And I think a lot of people were really taken by a whole lot of these different ideas that oh. you had. But just to go an hour, an hour back, uh, yeah, sure, what, sure, did, sure. what did you want to be when you were growing up? Oh, that's, that's a really great question. So now here's my story for you. Okay, let's go to story time. Okay. Because I mean, you, you've done everything. So what was it that you wanted to be? Okay, so um, I've always been hosting, even as a young boy, right? But my, my, my goal really was that um, I wanted to go to Harvard Business School, even as a young boy. Wow. That's my dream. People, people become doctors, lawyers, engineers. That was my goal in life, right? So when I first, um, when I first went to... Um, I worked for Procter & Gamble many years ago. That was my first job out of college. I did good. I said, I have a lot of extracurricular when you're in college. So I was debate, public speak. And then I was a writer. So I had many, many different things. So I got into Procter & Gamble, worked there for about uh, three years. And then because I was path towards going to an MBA in the States, like I, I want to test for an Ivy League school. And I applied for three schools at that time, many years ago. The first one was uh, for Northwestern Kellogg, which is like top marketing school. Yeah. Wharton, which is the top uh, finance school. And of course, Harvard, which is sort of like all around. They've a brand name, right? <laughs> and what happened was that, after applying, I got my first letter at the time because I didn't have email. I had to send physical requirements. That's how old I am, but I had to send physical requirements to the school and they, they would send it back to me. And then the first time, my first reply came from, I think, Kellogg. I said, Mr. Ledesma, I'm sorry, but you were not accepted for this batch. Imagine masama yung loob ko kasi P&G is known for marketing and di ko nakapasok sa top marketing, ano eh. So sabi ko, Chef, paano to? Oh, two more to go. Warton naman, dumating yung letter ng Warton. 
nung dumating letter ng Wharton, binigusan ko yung letter, Mr. Legesma, we regret to inform you, but you have not been accepted. Nako, oh. really bad. Finally, I got the letter from Harvard. And the, the letter from Harvard said that, you know, um, Mr. Ledesma, uh, you're one of the 10% that we are considering for this batch. But you can either do a phone interview, syempre, the time phone interview lang dyan, di ba? Wala pang online. Or you can interview, get interviewed live. Eh, syempre, sabi ko, medyo mabok, I speak a lot. Sabi ko, I'll fly to the States to get that interview. Five-minute interview, di ba? So I took a break yeah, from work, went all the way there to speak. Um, when, I, when I went there, I went to Harvard, gave a really good talk, I think. And then came back to Manila. Two weeks later, I got my letter from Harvard saying, Mr. Ledesma, we regret to inform you, but you haven't oh. been accepted for this batch. So I was really heartbroken at the time because, you know, for many people, you know, you, you have a dream that you wanted to get, but you never really got there. And, and that really bad. And I came back, I said, God, I God, I know that you've got plans for me and your plans for me are much greater than the plans that I have for myself. But right now, I just can't see it, right? But you just trust that he knows what's best for you. Now, all of a sudden, when I came back, I, I, uh, I found out that there was a degree being offered that was specific to real estate, which was my family's business, in, in being offered in MIT and in Colombia. And I applied for that book for both those courses and I got into Columbia and I got to, into the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. I mean, my head that blew me away. That's goodwill hunting, right? I mean, yeah. Well, that's where the rocket scientists literally come from. Wonderful. Right? So I got in and, and, and finally, you know, I ended up giving the, the commencement speech. It didn't mean I'm the smartest in the class, it just meant I talked the best in the class. Yes. And so I'm so happy about the time. And when I went to the States, when I went to to take the degree, the US economy was was at a high. But then the year the year I, I, I got one in, the economy, US economy dropped. And then two weeks before I graduated, it was 9-11. Wow. In 2001. Wow. So my, my parents almost couldn't fly in for, for, for my graduation, for my for my graduation. And so all of a sudden, parang what happened there? So I couldn't get a job in the States because my original goal was, okay, I'm going to live here. I'm going to finish in an Ivy League, work over there, get myself established, come back, work for multinational. So it didn't happen. But then uh, after that degree, I had to come back to the Philippines. Then I worked initially for, for my dad's business. And then from there, I, I, I produced my own, talk, my own talk show before, TV show with Tim Taya called The Men's Room on Studio 23. I don't know if you guys ever saw that one. Yeah. It, was a, it was a late night show. My mom is not proud of that show. My wife is not part of the show either as well. So I did that show. And then I started becoming a writer. I, 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 I wrote for the, for the Philippine Star. I won awards for Philippine Star. I wrote, I wrote a book. Uh, I became an entrepreneur for my own business. And, and, and all of a sudden, I, I did so many different things. And I became, a, I became a professional host, which I never thought I would do. I just thought hosting was a, was a fun thing to do. I never thought it would become a profession. So if you ask me what I thought I would be at if you think, if you ask 20-year-old me, yes. if you ask my 20-year-old self if what I'm doing now is what I expected at the time, I say it's nothing at all what I expected and it's even better than what I ever expected at that time. I mean, I just, you know, I'm sorry to wax religious, but God is good all the time and I just think, but this, is not, this was not in my plans at all. And I realized, you know, my, my wife always prays for me every day. She says, RJ, I pray you meet good people to talk to you. <laughs> So when you do business, you, you meet good people, you get good ideas. And that's what's so almost, parang, it's, not for two, it's not fate, but 
parang him putting together na, okay, I'm going to move you here because you're going to learn something from here and you're going to be yeah. able to use it here. And you're going to learn something from here and you're going to use it over here. Yeah, I, I think I think it's really cool. The one thing that we can, just to, to tie it all together from where we started to where we are right now. You you guys heard about a good hour's worth of amazing success and learnings that RJ has had over the, the entire span of his of his life. But if you really look at it to where it really all began, it began where he didn't quit from the failures that started. What could have been the end of his career eventually became the start of what he is right now. So if you guys are going through any failures, if right now you are looking at this and you are feeling down and you're feeling like you are in a rut or you don't think that you can get out of from where you are right now because mm-hmm. of one, these the systematic uh, problems that we're having or two, the COVID situation or three, other things that are outside of your, your power. As you can see with RJ, he faced all three of those and yet he is here right now telling us what he has learned because of it and he is a better person because of that. So RJ, thank you so much. Yeah. I just want to say something. I got more stuff. If you want to do a part two, that's fine. I know there's a, there's a time, <laughs> but there's a, there's a, there's, there, you got, you have to end somewhere. But this is the more important thing. I'm not telling any of you that I'm actually going to survive this crisis. My current business is going to survive this business. Mercato has to evolve as well, right? Mm-hmm. We we went from a night food market to a uh, to a food incubator. We're now we're online. I'm not saying that that's the best business model, but that's an entrepreneur. You're you're like a shark who's constantly moving. But yeah. but the more important thing that I, I want to put in their head is this one, right? I, I, this story really stuck with me, and it really resonated with me. When, when somebody said, he found this, I, I saw this on Facebook, a post. This guy just closed down four restaurants, and, and um, but he was furiously writing down new ideas for other business plans. And somebody said to him, wow, you, you mean, you, aren't you feeling down that you just, put, you just closed down four restaurants, and here you are planning for something new? He said, it's okay to run out of money. But it's not okay to run out of ideas. And that's what entrepreneur is all about. It's that when you develop that entrepreneurial resilience, that, that, that sort of mentality, uh, then, you, then you practice it. That's all I've been doing, guys, for this crisis. All I've been doing is in my head, if you hear the word pivot, that just means you know, you're taking a different angle for the business, a new business model. That's all I've been doing, thinking of new ways to, to run things, innovative ways, lateral ways of thinking. Because you know what? As long as you think hard, as long as you part for me, you just have to keep going around. Ideas will pop up. God is good. He will not leave you there. But you've got to seek up But you've got to find different ways. If you're stuck in that, it's because what you might think, because you're thinking this way, this is the only way out. But you have to keep on seeing more that there's so many ways that you can get out of this situation. And that's really it as an entrepreneur. That's really what I want, I want, I want to share with all of you. RJ, you have given us so much to think about. So many people on the comment section already saying that they want to start their own businesses already and to to look at it in a more sustainable way because of everything that they've heard here. And I just wanted to, again, say what your story tells, like what Aaron mentioned earlier. Rejection is redirection. And at the end of the day, kung ano man yung circumstances or situations that you guys are currently in, it's always about resilience. It's always about innovation and grittiness. Saying that... You know, telling yourself that even though the world or life tells you no, you just go, okay, no for this one, but that doesn't mean it's no for everything else. So where do I go next? And then create your own market and do all of this. I'll tell you, I'll make a nice point. Sorry, give me some time. Anyway, this is not a this is not a, a show where, you know, we, we have to end right in time, no? So <laughs> I'll tell you something on rejection is redirection. Mm-hmm. I've given talks to insurance companies, right? 
And insurance companies, they have to call the million dollar round table person. That means yes. that person with 50 million worth of policies. I'm sure Joyce or Aaron, you guys have hosted for insurance companies. Yes. In the past. Mm-hmm. And, and, I've, and I've spoken in almost all the, given similar talks like this and moderated for them at the same time. And that's the most interesting thing. When does that million dollar round table person, I go, my God, this guy must be brilliant. He's got magic words coming out of his mouth to convince the person to buy from him a, a, a $1 million policy. Because that's, that's how much it's worth, right? mm-hmm. so A 50 million pe- pe- uh, to, to buy a policy from him to become a million dollar, million dollar round table uh, person. That means that you've sold 50 million pesos worth of policies and they give you like free stuff you can travel around the world, right? like in Monaco, yeah. Switzerland. And I wanted to ask, I, I, I was so curious, I went up to one of them and asked him, you must have some magic set of words so that when you talk to people, nobody says no to you anymore at this rate. And when, this is what he told me. In fact, he goes, RJ, up to now, people still say no to me. But this is one thing I realized, you know what? When I give a proposal to them for insurance and then they say, uh, and they don't like it, I don't feel like it's my loss. I feel that it's his loss because I'm giving him something good for him. But I learned something from him. I learned how not to get rejected the next time. Because in his head, he's just bu- building that database of, okay, if somebody says this one, this is what I say. If somebody does this one, that's what I say. And that's basically what it's like. You know, Failure, again, is a mindset. If somebody rejects you the first time around, it doesn't mean that you get rejected. It means that you're also learning as well as to, ah, okay, this is what I do the next time. That's why rejection is redirection. Parang Thomas Edison lang yan. He had to figure out the wrong ways to make the light bulb for him. Exactly, exactly. Find out how to make it the right way. Exactly, exactly. RJ, sure. ang dami naming natutunan sa'yo, and more than anything, we're inspired and encouraged to really face this situation that we're all in right now with a certain level of resilience that we've heard from your stories, your personal story, and the stories that you've shared of others. But I have one question that I think mm-hmm. a lot of people can relate to right now. Um, if you grew up not having entrepreneurial mindset, what should you do for you to move on for the rest of your life, really putting on those goggles and putting on a fresh set of eyes and looking at the world from an entrepreneur's perspective, what can you do? Like I said, it's muscle. Like for me, it becomes muscle memory after some time. My dad was an entrepreneur. I learned right and wrong things from him being an entrepreneur. I became an entrepreneur myself, and I have businesses which failed and which did good. But the thing is, this sort of philosophy which I gained came over the time of doing the business again and again and again. And how did I learn? Number one, I had good mentors. You have to surround yourself with good mentors. There are people who didn't start off as being entrepreneurs, but they had mentors. And number two, I mean, guys, you're not lucky for anything. I mean, when we began entrepreneurship, who did we have the chance to talk to? Now you've got YouTube, you've got podcasts, you've got all these people talking about entrepreneurship. You've got all these apps that are more available for you. So for me, you can easily help yourself now to become an entrepreneur. But in the end, it's really that mindset that you put behind it. That you say, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me try it out. Right? Let me try it out. Like, you know, people say, I don't do sales. It's, it's beneath me. You learn so much from doing sales. I think it's a great profession that you do, do, do things now. I mean, I was a, you earn money from writing. I did writing for many years, but that's where I learned, that's where I learned the most from. People go, why do you host so often? Why do you, my wife was wondering, why do you talk so much during the ECQ? Who are you talking to? But guess what? All this talking got me a lot more jobs during the ECQ. People have been hiring me to talk and, and to, to moderate discussions. 
So I mean, everything is you know, but you gotta you gotta really put yourself out there, and it's it's a lot of hustle. Right? Entrepreneurship is equivalent to hustle, and that hustling begins with edu- hustling can be you're out there learning whether education online or education from people. That's what you do. I mean, that's just that's just the that's just our life, and the sacrifice that you make over there is that, you know, I mean, I don't have much free time on my hands. I mean, it's really me, my my family work and then you know i don't i don't play much games and then my, i guess my, my prayer life i mean that that's really it right now one more one more piece of advice just one more thing i got this from the chief operating officer of uh, of of phoenix lpg i spoke to him on my show easy franchise live and he said told me about business and it really it really floored me because this talks really about resilience and he said to me rj i was trying to run my business mercato you're fixing it up so many problems during the ecq sabi niya, you got to try to open up your business during the ECQ. Bakit? Because kung nagsara ka lang ng tindahan bago mag-ECQ at bubuksan mo yung tindahan pagkatapos ng ECQ, iba na yung mundo. Okay? Mm-hmm. The meeting is totally, the world is totally different. And if you just started off after ECQ, you're too late. You had to learn to adjust during this time. Make your mistakes. Condition yourself. Parang runner yan, di ba? You don't show up on, in the Olympics and expect to do very good there if you didn't practice for it. Same thing for this one. Our practice for whatever the new normal was is this ECQ time. And if your business wasn't able to adjust, I mean, you should have done adjustments in there. Make, make those little changes right now to improve your form, to improve what you do next. And, and that, that's really how it was like for me um, in this period of time. Do your adjustments now. All right. Well, uh, it's it's an incredible, incre- it was like a keynote. It was like I was watching a TED Talk. Uh, RJ, thank you so much. Uh, is, there, for is, there, is there anything, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that you were, you were plugging, but is there anywhere that they can go to maybe see a consolidated list of everything that they, that they could heard from today and, uh, and maybe get not- links and all of that? Just a couple of things. My website's www.rjladesma.com. You can also follow me on uh, RJ Ladesma on Facebook and Instagram. And again, if you've got a small food business that you want to expand, you need delivery services, you've got a unique food that you want to expand, please go to, uh, please visit Mercato Central on Facebook. We would love to help you uh, grow your food business. And that's it for this episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, go to www.joyspring.com. And if you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash adultingwithjoyspring. I'll talk to you guys soon. Paalam.